Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. And that is a quote by Theodore Roosevelt and part of our guest's favorite quote. And then there's another one, do things right and do the right thing. And that is by David Trust, our guest today. Did I get that right? <laughs> Do right things. Do right it, it, things it was reversed. Do, it was reversed, but that's good. Do that's right good. things and do things right, or vice versa. That, that's correct. So, hello, this is Lucy again with the Profitable Photographer. I am so excited to have today's guest on. And usually I suggest that you go to my Facebook and you rate and review and share this podcast. So, what I would invite you to do today is to go to ppa.com and learn all about the reasons why I'm a lifetime member. And well, the reasons are probably not there specifically about why Lucy Dumas has been able to have a full-time career for 38 years. But I consider that I owe a large part of my career to PPA and the way it has supported me individually and the way it supports photographers and creates community, which for me, I think most successful people have a community behind them. So that's my little pitch for today. And I'm now going to introduce a guest that I'm so excited. I had him on my call him list for a while. And then luckily I was at the PPA convention and I was leaving having dinner and he was walking to dinner and I <laughs> I pounced on him and said, hey, David, would you be on my show? So uh, David Trust is PPA's CEO, and you in this conversation will understand why the association has grown to be the powerhouse that it is. David joined PPA in 1998 as its first director of marketing. That's interesting. And in less than a year, he was selected to take over as CEO, and PPA has had unprecedented growth in every category. He spent 11 years in television as a reporter and anchor before transitioning into the marketing world. And he's going to share about why he is a regular on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. as he fights for our rights and so much more that I could read, but I know you want to hear from him directly. So David, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Well, thank you very much, Lucy. How are you doing? I hope things are well. You're staying safe out there in beautiful San Diego. I'm doing great. Uh, it's kind of interesting since I live alone and have worked at home for 38 years to see how different it feels and how it's harder to get motivated for me having some more undesignated time. That's been my learning curve during this last, I think now five weeks in or so. And I'm guessing you're, you're doing well and your family's safe and sound? We are. We are. We're taking it very seriously. We're working hard to, uh, you know, to keep ourselves safe, to stay isolated. And it's difficult at times, but you know, we're going to get through this together. Everyone's going to get through it and we're going to bounce back. And the, the question is, are, are we doing the things now to make sure that 
that uh, our businesses are going to be viable when we emerge from all of this. You know, are we are we doing the things that'll um, help us hit the ground running? Um, so, but we're gonna we are, we will come back out of it. I mean, we yes. are, gonna, are gonna come out of it. So, what kinds of things since we're on that topic? And I'm doing these recordings in a way that it can bring value for my listeners right now while we're in this very unusual and worrisome situation, but also adding some great content so that if you happen to be listening to this two years from now, never fear, there's going to be lots of great things and you'll be looking back and going, phew, aren't we glad we got through (laughs) that crisis? So what kinds of things do you think people can be doing now to hit the ground running? Yeah, you know, success is never an accident, right? If we are successful in life, it's because we took the steps, Lucy, to make sure that we were going to be successful. We disciplined ourselves, we prepared ourselves, we put in the effort, the work, and not just the effort and the work into things that we love doing, you know, photographing, talking to people, maybe interacting with folks, um, looking at beautiful images, creating beautiful images, working on Photoshop. It can't just be that stuff. You know, professional photographers, there was a time where we treated photographers like they were extra special businesses. But the truth Mm -hmm. is, and not being insulting here, the truth is, you know, photographers aren't extra special businesses. They are one more consumer choice, right? So every business is about the consumer. It's not about the product. It's never about the product. It's always about the consumer if it's something that you're trying to sell. And so it's always about the consumer. And it's important that we understand the consumer better. And and there are a lot of things we could be doing right now that I think photographers, just from my many, 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 many interactions with photographers over the last 22 years, there are things that we can always be doing better. I think photographers are not great at creating an actionable vision. I don't mean just a vision, but an actionable vision, something that gets us out of bed in the mornings because we know what it is we're supposed to be doing that day. I think we're not good enough about maybe reading. You know, when you look at true Truly successful people, there are commonalities when you look at the lists of truly successful people. And that doesn't mean success just in terms of money, but also just successful people living happy lives. And you look at those commonalities, and, and one of them is that they don't waste time. Another is that they, they begin with the ending. So what, did the, what do you want the outcome to be? And we can talk more about that if you want. And the other thing is, and they read, you know, they're disciplined, and, and they force themselves to read. They understand their market. They're, they're reading to understand what consumers are doing. They're paying attention to what consumers are doing. Because honestly, and I know this is difficult for people to hear, but the success in professional photography, in professional photography, success is not about the photography alone. It's about the consumer. It's about what the consumer wants and how the consumer thinks and what they're looking for. And so there are things we can be doing right now, like reading uh, books on branding and, and marketing and, you know, paying attention to what's going on with the consumer, creating an actionable vision. You know, what is it you want to be when you emerge from all of this? And how are you going to get there? An actionable vision means that you have actionable, you know, subcategories, subtactics that that will help you get to that vision. And then those those subtactics are then placed on your calendar. So when you wake up on Tuesday morning, you know exactly what it is you're supposed to be doing because you know that you have to pick up more schools or more weddings or more whatever this year to achieve the goal of X number of dollars, which I hope is not your 
that's not your vision. I hope right. the X number of dollars is just getting you to your vision, which hopefully is leading a happy life and being able to maybe do some traveling or spend more time with your kids or grandkids or your spouse mm-hmm. or significant other or your pet or whatever. You know, it's, it's those things that bring you happiness. That's what your vision is there to achieve. Right. And the money marker is a part of achieving that vision, but it's an important part. One of my, so there are things we can be doing. That's a long mm-hmm. answer to your short yes, question, yes. but there are things we can be doing right yeah. now so that when we emerge, we emerge hitting the ground running. Right. One of my coaching clients in our conversation this week, she's been in business 10 years and she's decided in, in her niche, which is birth and what's called the fresh 48, which is the first two days of life outside the womb. She has decided to put that on hold because in that industry in general, her perception is it's going to be slower to come back. So she's focusing on 2021 and she said she's going to approach this in the way that she wished she had when she started. Because when she started, she was kind of grabbing at everything you know, just throwing some branding stuff on the internet, getting a cheap website, seeing what stuck, you know, pricing randomly with no idea of cost of running a business. And she's, she's going to take this time to, to be super intentional and have things attracting her ideal clients in a way that, you know, so she's just upgrading everything in a way that, she knows if she had done that at the start, she would most likely have had quicker financial and business success. So yeah, good point on that. And the reading, one of my coaching mentors, what made the difference for him, because he started out as a coach, is he and a friend agreed to read a book a week and talk about it. And his friend didn't stay with the program, but he did. And he said, reading 52 books on success and business and motivation and spiritual growth and all those good things absolutely is the reason he is now a multi-multi-millionaire in his oh, career. Yeah. Oh, because- listen, I, the list of successful people, as you look at them and the commonality between them, all of them, all of them um, list reading as one of the critical components to the, their success. And not only reading, but reading not for pleasure. That is, it is part of their job. They're reading because they need to do it because it's, it's good for them. And they understand, you know, branding and leadership and marketing and understanding the consumer, consumer trends, you know, consumer expectations. There are, there are so much out there on all of that. And, and we should be doing it. People are saying they're not able to work. Yeah, you are. You are able to work. You're not able to photograph. And admittedly, you're not able to bring in money right now, but you are able to be nurturing your business. You know, what we need to do is stay away from the snack cabinet, you know, the pantry yeah. shelf yeah. that has the snacks in it. And we need to stay away from binge watching TV shows because that doesn't, you know, help, help us in any way. You can do that after hours, so to speak. But I think we're, we should be spending our days, you know, polishing ourselves, learning. You go on PPAEDU, not trying to push anything. It's all out there for free, but uh, you go on PPA.com and uh, and look at education and go to PPAEDU. There, there are more than 1,100 courses there. You know, brush up on outdoor lighting or natural lighting or posing or composition and on gap topics. And, you know, the gap, of course, is the gap between professional photographer and their consumer. And there are a lot of gap topic 
things out there. It's about entrepreneurism. It's about eliminating negativity. It's about, um, you know, how to plan for success. It's about understanding the generational issue, the big three, you know, the baby boomers, Gen X and millennials. I mean, understanding what they actually mean for your business, because most people don't understand. They think right. they do. In fact, they don't. It's, it's a, the, There's just a lot that we can be doing in watching videos on PPA EDU, or reading, or preparing, or creating an actionable vision, things that we can be doing right now so that when we come out, we're going to be much better prepared to be successful. I thought that that was really generous of PPA. Was it maybe a month ago or so that you decided to make the whole education program free for anyone that you didn't have to be a member? That really made me, you know, just one more reason why I'm proud to be a lifetime member. What that means is I've been in it 30 years, so <laughs> I, I'm free now. I get to <laughs> get all the benefits, nice, including the insurance and the conventions. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of PPA, what is PPA? Professional Photographers of America, in case anybody's like, wait, why all the letters? <laughs> so for people that don't know. Yeah, we, we love acronyms in this industry, don't we? We this seems like we have acronyms for everything. But we were founded, PPA, we were founded by professional photographers, Abraham Bogardus and Matthew Brady and and uh, you know the, the most notable photographers of their day back in 1868. Wow. So we're more than 150 years old today. And we were founded over a patent dispute, a predatory patent dispute that was going to, frankly, really be hurtful for professional photographers back then. Literally, every time you created an image, you were going to have to pay a guy who didn't, in fact, invent the technology. And so they banded together and they fought this patent. Uh, successfully. They fought it successfully and uh, stopped this uh, patent from uh, Charles Cutting Ambrose. And so they were able to stop that. And then they realized there are other things that they could work on together back then, things like education and best practices and, you know, and professionalism and and just technique and style and, and those kinds of things. And so they decided back in 18, those initial meetings were in 1868 in December of 1868, they got together in Philadelphia, some of them did, the, the initial meetings were in New York, and then they got back together in Philadelphia, and they created an organization. It was called the National Photographers Association at the time, and later changed to uh, American Professional Photographers, and then that was switched to Professional Photographers of America. And so it was, uh, they created this organization to help people navigate. It was created by photographers to help them get through and to help them to be more successful as professional photographers. So we've been around for 150 years, the Professional Photographer Magazine is the oldest photographic magazine, continuous photographic magazine in the world. And that's our magazine that members get at no cost. And uh, we have lots and lots of education. Imaging USA is the premier event in professional photography every year in January. This coming year will be in Dallas, Texas. Actually, grapevine, but you fly into Dallas airport, the Dallas-Fort Worth. And our job is to help photographers succeed. We're not-for-profit, and our job is to help professional photographers succeed. We do that through lots and lots of education. Members get free equipment insurance, um, indemnification trust. If you shoot one wedding, you know, you need the indemnification trust to protect you. Absolutely. Um, we advocate, uh, we still advocate on behalf of photographers. We spend a lot of our time on Capitol Hill working on uh, a small claims process and working with the copyright office. You know, I have phone calls virtually every day on those kinds of issues with the people in Washington, D.C. And so those are the kinds of things we do for photographers that they can't do for themselves. So right. that's what PPA is. Yes. And for me, being a social kind of gal, I thrive in community. And I just love that. So when I go to the PPA conventions, it's like old home week. It's like a college reunion every 
year because there are people there that I've known since my first time I joined all the way to new friends that I met the year before. And now with my podcast, if you, David, if you look down the list, you'll see some familiar faces like Tony Corbell and Arthur Rainville that I yeah. I met and became really good friends with because of PPA. And I also love the the fact that there are local groups. I'm actually going to be stepping into being the chairman of the board again at my San Diego group because the person that would be doing it is moving away. So there's the opportunity for local cert giving service as well as support. And, you know, some of my best friends are people from my local groups. And I also love the challenge of print competition and initially earning that master and craftsman degree, which for me, it wasn't about getting the degree. It was about the growth of my work by always thinking okay, what can I do to maybe make this session or this photograph merit worthy? And I know I became better, better, better photographer by reaching those goals. So, and I I have to say, I so appreciate you, David, and how you've, with all your talents and skills and wisdom, not only kept PPA viable, but it is stronger than it's been in my experience over the last 30 years. I think I joined, yeah, 34 years ago, maybe. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, I just see how many even more good things are available. There are people who say, and, you know, this, we don't necessarily want this to be one great big PPA commercial, but it is for me, one of the tools of becoming a profitable photographer. And I'll see people post on Facebook, oh, I joined for a while and I didn't get anything out of it. So I quit. It was a waste of money. Why do you think someone would feel that? What, what did they not do? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's $27 a month, right? You know, it's the way that works. And uh, again, we're not for profit. We're not there to sell product of any sort. It just keeps us able to do things like equipment insurance and indemnification trusts and advocacy and education and professional photographer magazine, all those things. It actually costs more to be a professional photographer and not be a PPA member than it does to be a professional photographer and be a PPA member just because of the insurance and indemnification trusts and other things that are there. You know, we, we hear that sometimes it's pretty rare. I mean, people generally, we have a very, very high approval rating with our, with our customers, our members, and we're grateful for that. I think, I think when people say that, that that they're not sure what they're getting for their money, it's simply because they're not trying, they're not participating in certification or in international photographic competition. They're not using the PPA EDU courses to improve themselves. They don't uh, understand the indemnification trust and how that works. They're not concerned about the work we do up on Capitol Hill. You know what I mean? They, they, yeah. And so I, I think I've had gym memberships before where I felt like I wasn't getting anything for my money. It's not because the equipment wasn't there, yeah. it's because, because I you wasn't going. Know. Right. <laughs> And, well, and, uh, and so it's more up to us. And so we can't, and I think this is an important part of success. And it's something that, that we need to remember in our lives. It certainly is something that, you know, unfortunately I preach a bit to our members and, uh, and on staff. And, and that is this, nobody is going to drag us kicking and screaming into a successful, happy life. That's just the way it works. That's just the way life works. Nobody is going to drag us kicking and screaming into a successful, happy life. It's just, it doesn't work that way. So if people aren't willing to pick themselves up off the floor, to, to dust themselves off, to, to you know get in the car and go do the things that they're supposed to do to build their business, if they're not willing to take advantage of all of the benefits you know, that, that we offer, then you know, maybe we're not for them. 
and we're okay with that. You know, we we serve serious professional photographers who want to prosper, who want to succeed, and right. that's not everybody. Right. I also look at it like because I know that there are things that are being done on my behalf, me as the representative of all photographers that I don't even see or know. And I think of it like I pay taxes in California and you think, what do I get out of that? Well, I get roads. I get all kinds of things that it's easy to think, oh, they're just always there. But if I wasn't paying into what is required of me, but if I didn't pay into that, there'd be all kinds of things not done that I wouldn't be happy about. Go to a third world country and you can see, you know, roads don't just like magically show up and trash doesn't magically get taken out and all those, all those kinds of things. So, yeah. So while we're then um, on the topic of, you've mentioned Capitol Hill, meaning the government. (laughs) So I wanted to first off talk about copyright in general, because that's an area that is always kind of confusing to me. And I've had conversations where I've said, oh, you know, you have these rights and people saying, no, that's not true. You have to do this or that. So I'd first love for you to share about our photographs and our rights to those photographs and the whole, you know, like every single thing we'd ever want to know about copyright. <laughs> I know we don't this have to. This is going to be a much longer podcast yeah. than you think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway. I, I think it's, it's good. And I, it's important for photographers to understand this because you can't sell what you don't own, right? You, you, you have to own it to sell it. And so it's important for photographers to understand where their rights are and what it is that they do own. So first of all, when you create something, it's copyrighted. If I take a photograph, I own that copyright. It's my photograph, okay? If you create an image, you own that image. It's copyrighted. But in the United States, and only the United States, by the way, something we fight against regularly up on Capitol Hill, but in the United States, that image does you no good. That is, you can't protect it unless it's registered with the United States Copyright Office, okay? So you own it, it's copyrighted when it's created, but you can't defend it in court unless you register that image with the United States Copyright Office. Now, the process for registering an image is, it's a little difficult, and we are working on that right now. We're trying to work with the, we have for years, but right now there's a big initiative with the Copyright Office to improve their processes. We call it, it's called modernization of the United States Copyright Office. So when you hear people talking about modernization of the Copyright Office, that's what they're talking about, improving the processes to make it easier for you to register. So so there, there is that part of it. But the bigger part of all of this is that the only way for you to be compensated, if you, if you create some work for me, Lucy, and then you later see that image on a city bus stop, you uh-huh. know, advertising my company, you, you come to me you say, David, this is, you know, this is how I pay my mortgage. This is how I pay my bills. I feed my family. You know, I put food on the table and this is, you know, this money is important to me. My response to you is, I hear you, Lucy, just take me to court. And the reason I say that is because your only remedy is to go to federal court. You can't take that to a state court. You can't go to a small claims court. You can't even go to have it mediated somewhere. Your, your only remedy is to take that case to federal court. You know, the American Bar Association, who I work with very closely up in DC and the American Bar Association has conducted studies. It costs an average of more than three hundred thousand. In fact, it's close to four hundred thousand dollars to bring one intellectual property case, one IP case, to fruition in federal court. 
Mm. So the point is, is that for professional photographers, an $800 infringement and a $1,200 infringement, you know, $2,000, that money doesn't make the radar screen up in Washington, D.C., but that is important money. It doesn't have to be huge money to be important money for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of small businesses across America. Right. And photographers are the smallest small business. So when you register your work and I infringe you, you have to go to federal court to, to defend that. And what we've been arguing for, to be honest, for 14 years. This has been going on now. It started with testimony that I offered in 2006 up in Washington, D.C. when I was working on small claims and they called me to testify there. It was one of the times I was in D.C. testifying before Congress. And Chairman Lamar Smith said, so Mr. Trust, would a small claims process for photographers help this? And I told him then, I said, yes. It, w- it would solve about 85% of the situation. It wouldn't solve all of it, but it would solve a lot of it. And from that time until today, we've been working on getting small claims legislation passed and we're very close. And if you're a PPA member, unless you've been in a cave for the last few years, you've heard us asking you to uh, go to ppa.com slash small claims to write your congressman. And the letter's already there. You just have to click on it really because we're trying to get the CASE Act past. Copyright alternative and small claims enforcement is what CASAC stands for. And so we're trying to get the CASAC so you have a small claims process instead of federal court. You could still go to federal court for a really big infringement, but you have a small claims process that would allow you to recover $15,000 per instance, which is the vast vast majority of infringements in America, you know? By the way, uh, Lucy, 70% of our members report multiple infringements over the last few years. Almost all of those infringements, percentage-wise, are valued at $3,000 or less. So uh, a small claims alternative is very, very much needed. How nice would it be for you to be able to recover $500 or $2,000 or whatever it is, you know, when you see someone stealing your work? Yeah. And uh, and so that's what that's one of the things we're working on. That's the reason copyright is important, and it's the reason we've been asking not just our members but everybody, everybody to go to ppa.com/smallclaims to send their letter right now to the Senate because the House passed it already, but to the Senate to support the Case Act. So. Is there still one person that's the holdout? There is. Isn't it crazy that that can happen? Yeah, that, do you know that, the that motivation? The yeah. So here's well, the thing. This, the CASE Act passed 410 to 6 in the House. Overwhelming. Just huge, huge support for it in the House. In the Senate, 99 senators are apparently in favor of the CASE Act, and one is opposed to it. What people don't realize is that there is a rule in the Senate that allows one, any senator to place a hold on a bill. The the Senate likes to do everything by unanimous consent. Mm. They pass everything or try to by unanimous unanimous consent. But any one senator can place a hold on that saying, nope, it's going to have to be a regular vote. I don't like this for this reason. And most of the time, frankly, it's because of other political reasons that... uh, that they do that. They're hoping to get some concession in something that they want. So they place a hold on it and they can get a concession on something that they want. And then they remove the hold. There is one hold. It's Senator Ron Wyden in Oregon um, has had a hold on it. Senator Wyden has historically opposed anything that has to do with copyright. He's tied into some organizations that are just anti-copyright. They feel like everything on the internet ought to be free. Mm. They just philosophically don't like the idea of copyright which is ironic because, you know, all those things they love to play content on, you know, that content doesn't exist if there aren't songwriters and authors and illustrators and 
photographers. I mean, none of that content exists without those people, but they're opposed to copyright generally, and Ron Wyden is tied into that. Now, mm. we are getting more and more support, and we're hoping to do one of two things, and that is we're negotiating and have been for months and months with Senator Wyden and his staff and uh, trying to get them to uh, get off center here and uh, to come from the dark side, in mm -hmm. our opinion, and or two, if he's going to continue to hold it to just uh, convince Senator McConnell, Mitch McConnell, to uh, steamroll it and just roll over him. And, and uh, more likely than not, we think that could happen. Mm. We feel good about where we are with the CASE Act. COVID-19 doesn't help us any because it's basically slowed everything down. Yeah. But uh, we feel pretty good about where we are, but we need letters. I mean, when we say we need letters, the only way to get Senator McConnell to steamroll this issue to go roll over Senator Wyden is to uh, is to get more and more people to convince their senators in their states to join the Case Act as a co-sponsor. Mm. In which case, Senator McConnell will just say we're holding the vote this coming Thursday. You know that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, is he up for where he could be voted out in November, or does he have more no. as a senator? No, not this year. No, he's not one of them. All right, uh, that's up for election right now. And he's he's loved in Oregon, but creators in Oregon are very angry with him and have they've done a great job really fighting against him. I you probably don't know this, but EPA actually installed billboards, two different ones, um, <laughs> outside uh, near Senator Wyden's office, calling him out for being opposed for hurting small creators. And they did not like that. We don't care if they liked it or yeah. not. But we you know we are working with them in good faith to try to solve our differences, but we're not going to take the pressure off of them until they until they decide to lift the hold. He won't support it. He'll probably end up voting or not voting at all, but we're just trying to get him to lift the hold. Yeah, if you, if you can't help, get out of the way. <laughs> I, know, I know that's not what anyone learns in their civics class. Yes. You know, to, no. in, you know, you're thinking there's 99 for it and one against it, and we haven't gotten this vote in. It, it's a strange thing. The Senate works in very yeah. odd ways. And I think most Americans would be very upset if they knew how the Senate actually does work. And it's the reason so little legislation is actually... Um, approved so little is actually done in congress yeah. because because of those senate rules interesting that's not that's not being political by the way that's just no. that's just stating the way it is that's just right. the way it works yes that what was that uh children's cartoon about the government yeah. the senate i am a bill everybody knows I'm that cartoon and they all, we yeah. all agree that's, that's actually not how it works yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> sort of how it works but but uh i can still see that in my head that, that yeah. little bit I'm a bill. Yeah. I'm a <laughs> yeah. So kind of dialing this down to an individual who, so some of the conversation, and I like you just, it was, you sort of samurai the whole thing. If we create it, we own it. For people who are selling their digital files, where does the copyright law, what is their copyright? What is the client's right to make prints or have another photographer design an album for them or something, things like that. Well, nobody has rights to anything that you don't give them. And, and, uh, and, and let me change that, actually. It's not that you give that to them, hopefully. It's that you sell to them. You know, photographers have had, have been trained, and we did a lot of the training at PPA saying never, ever sell your files. I got to tell you, that's just not the case anymore. And because it's not about you, it's about the consumer. We conducted consumer research less than a year ago on this. No, it's about a year ago now on this very topic. 
And, and there's some really, really good news for photographers that came out of it. And that is, and I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I think it was something like 75% of all consumers expect photographers to include digital files in what they purchase. But it was an even higher percentage. That was consumers at all age groups. So across the millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers, they all expected that. But the really cool thing was that at an even higher clip, all of those generations, all of those age groups at an even higher rate expected the ability to purchase printed photography. Mm. Now, the, what that says is, is that consumers do not devalue or value less professional photography today than they, in fact, they probably value it more. We are more photographically centered than any society probably in history. Mm -hmm. David, remember, it was probably pretty racist, but the Japanese, you know, this our stereotype of Japanese people with their cameras always taking picture, picture, pictures. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, oh, that's because... I'm guessing that they made cameras and they made film, so it was probably pretty affordable. <laughs> and now with digital, I can't go on vacation without feeling like it's one giant model shoot worldwide. When I was in <laughs> Europe, it honestly, every monument, every street, every yeah. restaurant, everything, it was, yeah. it was a, a photo shoot. And, and, um, and you can, and it used to be you had to buy film and have it developed. So nowadays right. we, we don't have to do that. So we value photography and we know this through a lot of research that we've conducted that, that the underpinnings of the photographic industry are, are, are as strong, as healthy, and even more healthy than ever before. Americans are spending money at a greater pace than ever in history. And they're spending it at all, across all generation groups and across all categories. They're spending it on everything. We spend money on everything in this society. So why are yeah. some not spending it on photography? Because I think photographers are not fully understanding what consumers expect. They're not listening right. to what their consumer expectations are. So the, the bottom line is, is that a digital file is no different than a printed file in, in that you own it, they don't, and they can't have it or use it or duplicate it unless you give them permission to do that. You can either sell the image outright with that agreement, or you can license it for a specific period of time. Most photographers sell it, sell their printed work outright, and lots and lots still refuse to sell their image. But, but and this is important, I'm not saying this is the way good or bad or ugly or the way it needs to be or should be or, or anything. I'm just saying this is what consumers expect today. Mm -hmm. They're expecting a digital file and any photographer that's not providing some sort of digital file is, is going to have to come to grips with that. Now you may decide not to do it and that's fine. We would urge you. I think I would urge you if I were consulting you, if I was working with you and your business as a marketing consultant, urge you to include that, but make them pay for it. I mean, they can pay for it full price. You know what I mean? Right. They don't right. seem to have a problem with that. What they mm -hmm. do have a problem with is not being able to have the digital file. They want to put it. Out there on Facebook, I would, I would, I would create Facebook images for people to use that right. had my logo on it. You know, I mean, if I were a professional photographer, I would be doing that. Uh, my, all over. Yeah, David, my compromise because both for economics and because I don't want people printing my work badly and having their friends and family see these, you know, cropped wrong, bad color. I gave my nephew files of his family been a few years ago, but early in my digital life. And because I thought, okay, he's been around good photography since before he was born. 
well, no, but anyway, for a long time. And I got Christmas cards and literally their skin was blue. And I thought, okay, if my own nephew doesn't recognize that the lab did a bad job, how would my clients or how would their friends who see something on their fridge or something know that it's not my fault? And in fact, his wife started thinking I was no longer a good photographer because of that image. Even though they have a house full of wall portraits and beautiful wedding album, that one bad print I was not in control of changed her opinion of my yeah. work. Yeah. So, so my compromise is that what people purchase, I will make a digital file with, or I will post on Facebook with my logo small so that I know they have beautiful photographs done and they get their itch scratched for those social media files. And if they're wanting to save money and that's why they want the files, I'm really clear that that's not the most economical way to go. So that's, that's my specialty is the really high end photography. I'm the pickiest of the clients of the to me the best quality lab so you know that's just but that's my that's my niche that's my brand but yeah so that's how i satisfied that so one of my questions for you that comes up a lot in these facebook groups that i hang out in is somebody sells the files to clients but they give them a little thing that says you're not allowed to print you have to have me print but they've sold the files or like somebody might call me and say, I have the files and I can't find my photographer or she doesn't, you know, she doesn't make albums, design albums. Could you do that for me and I'll pay you? And, and there's that question of, can a photographer reasonably expect a client not to print on their own or do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, well, I, I would not sell digital files by themselves. I, I want to, you know, I, I think it is a difficult business model and almost impossible to stay in business as a professional photographer if you're not selling printed work. And there is a control thing there and there's an art part of it there. And you need to be able to control your brand and your image and your quality and, and those kinds of things, right? So yeah, I'm not going to go to, uh, I don't know, you know, a hamburger place and say, hey, listen, just give me the beef and the bun and I'm going to, I'll do the rest of it. You know, they're not doing that. They, they're going to going to control right. the quality of what they serve. Right. And I think you guys need to do that. So I would not sell digital files that were not touched. <laughs> they, it I would never, I would never sell digital files that were raw and because, you know, you don't want them using those. You're, it's part of your brand. And so right. the digital files you would deliver would be the ones that you would deliver in print. Right. In my but opinion. Let's say, cause there's. And, and maybe a couple more, but, but generally yeah. speaking, just, it would be the ones you would deliver in, right. in print. And I, I don't believe, uh, I, I'm not sure selling just digital files by themselves without printed files that you know, you're making money on. I, I'm not sure that that's a good business model that would be able to sustain you. Well, I totally agree. And at the same time, more photographers are doing that than are selling prints these days. So my question is, is it reasonable to require the photographer who has purchased the files to not make prints? If you tell them this is just for digital use, but you can't make prints or is that? No, it's not. It's not because again, this is about the consumer and uh, the consumers are going to do what they want. And, and uh, I think it's unrealistic, but I think and I know you're worried about print quality and, and those kinds of things. Everybody is, but guys, you know, that 
horse left the barn a long, long time ago. Right. And, you know, they are, they are going, consumers are going to decide what they want. And by the way, as consumers, you decide what you want also. Mm-hmm. You know, you do things your way. You, you have evolved as consumers over the last five years, three years, certainly 10 years. But photographers are still doing things very much the way they did them 10 or 15 years mm. ago. And, um, but, consumer, but consumers have evolved well beyond that. Yes. And that, I, that's the gap. That's the gap, by the way. The yeah, gap that's is the gap, the gap that grew between the photographer and the consumer. Not yeah. because the photographer did anything wrong. It's because the consumer evolved. Right. The consumer keeps moving forward. You, me, everybody as consumers, we keep moving forward. And photography has not in, in a lot of ways. Now, some photographers have. I'm making very general statements here. Some photographers have, and they're doing a great job with it. I mean, the photographer is the brand. You are your brand. It is your relationship with me, the consumer. That's what matters. Your brand is how I feel about you mm-hmm. and how you reach out to me. Right now, COVID is a great time for photographers to just reach out, not talk about portraiture or photography or anything and just say, hey, you know what? You know, I was going through some of my work and I saw your beautiful family. Just, are you guys doing okay? Everyone all right over there? I mean, that would that's huge yes. for building your brand. That right. is huge. It has to be away from the sale. It can't be about, oh, and by the way, when it's all done, I'm going to give you a, you know, a special, come on in for a, whatever your holiday photos. We've got a 20% off coupon. Don't do that in, in that call. Just check on them. And that's how you become their friend, their family mm-hmm. photographer, not the photographer they're paying to do some work. Right. One of my coaching clients is a pet photographer and she's been inviting her clients to send her photographs of their pet that they took themselves. And then she's doing digital painting. And I'm not sure if she's doing that as a something that then she'll, she'll sell them or if it's something that is, you know, digital a gift or something. But I thought that was a really interesting idea for supporting people. Let's say they have a pet that they know is not long for this world. The owner can photograph and then, because she can't go to them right now, but she can make something beautiful for them. So I thought that was a really interesting, you know, haven't figured out if that's something, I mean, I don't know what she's doing it monetarily or, or just for to be, you know, wonderful, but yes. So anything else on, since we're kind of back to the what now, you know, or what to do in the rest of 2020 to get ourselves set up so that we can finish the year strong and have 2021 be rocket in a way better than ever before? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I, th- I think there are a few things that all businesses need to do. I think we need to stay positive, by the way. And uh, I know that I know that we feel down in the dumps about everything right now because it's scary. It's confusing. It's very, very fluid. Who knows you know, when this is actually going to end? I think you live in a state that has been much more conscientious and has stayed isolated and um, you've been doing a good job distancing. I live in a state where people are doing an okay job distancing. The governor has been less committed to a lot of things. And so the reason I say that is because I assume some of your audience, things are going to start opening up at different times, you know, and that you're going to, you're, but even once they open up, I think there's going to be a lull there. The people are going to be more interested in getting back to work, getting some income coming in, some paychecks coming in. They're going to be figuring out what to do for the holidays. And I'm not saying that this year is a wash, but I think it is a good time for you to build experience with your regular customers and 
understand that they're going through difficult times. I think, I personally think that when consumers get back at it, they're going to start spending money much more quickly than some people are imagining. And I, I think people will be spending money if we can get, if we can get out of this in June, you know, or July, that they're going to want to spend money. They're going to want to get back at it, even though they won't have much money to spend, right. um, but they're going to want to spend money and they're going to want to, re- we're Americans, man. We love wide open spaces. <laughs> we love wide open spaces. We want to go do something on 4th of July. Right. You know I mean? We want to spend some money. We want to, everyone wants to go out to eat right now. The truth is because there's not as much to spend right now, I think a lot of people, like 75%, they're not being as hugely affected. They Their um, play money fund is actually growing because it's funny, like I was going to be traveling to uh, Santa Cruz for a conference uh, that was shut down. And that was like $1,500 that I would have spent on the travel and the hotels and meals and all of that. Well, that went in my bank account. Normally I'd be, you know, planning some other stuff. And so I think some people are going to have more of that because my ideal clients are people who have, just to call it play money, money to travel, money for jewelry, money just to buy some fancy new outfit because they want to and hire in cars. And so I think they're, like you said, People are going to want to buy stuff. And the other thing is I, one of my guilty pleasures sometimes is spinning through the shopping channel and people are buying things on the shopping channel. They're sellouts of things. So like you said, we like to spend money. People have it. People will have it. And I think that's going to resume. I think that's going to resume much more quickly than, than some folks I think um, so too. Uh, expect it. And, and uh, you know, we'll see how that plays out. And, and, but I, I think they're going to want to, and they're going to want normalcy. They're going to want family. And I think COVID has helped us understand how much we appreciate and care about our family. And I think that there will be some nice ways to gently remind people that now's a good time to make sure that we're that we're updating our family photographs, our family portraits, you know, those right. areas that you guys do such an amazing job creating for us. And, and uh, I think, I think it is going to bounce back. And I think we are going to somewhat get back to normal. Now, is there going to be a relapse in November and December? I don't know. I mean, there's yeah. just no way. What I would do is I would plan everything, just stay positive and plan everything. Don't worry about the unknowns because we can't control those in the future. Just plan everything as though it's all going to be opening up soon. What does soon mean? I don't know. It varies by state, but just plan so it's all going to be opening up soon. You know, but tend to your business, read books, make sure you understand your consumer, reach out to them, say nice things, create an actionable vision for yourself, you know, so that when all of this happens, you can venture out delicately at first, delicately, don't be too commercial at first. Everyone's coming off of a difficult time, but you can delicately start reaching out and saying, ah, it might be a night time to update this family photos, right. you know, because I think people are thinking family right now. They're thinking right. about, they're, they're, I think uh, we're starting to appreciate things a little bit more than we used to before all of this happened. I, you know, some people say that's a silver lining. I've heard someone say those kinds of things. I don't know if there is a silver lining when there's so much suffering, illness, and even death, right? I don't think you can say there's a silver lining, but but there are things that I think will emerge from this. And I think a, a new appreciation for things like family and things that matter, like professional photography, because you guys do matter. I think those things will emerge, I think, right. from all of this. Yeah. I think it's also a great time to support vendors in our particular niche. So if I was still a wedding photographer, one of the ways that I grew my business really quickly without knowing that 
uh, networking was a natural skill for me. I just made friends in the industry and referred them and supported them and then was like, oh, that's a great marketing tool. <laughs> but I'd be, so one of my coaching clients, I helped her set up, we call it the circle of friends where she has vendors in the wedding industry and they get together once a month in the morning and then once a quarter for a happy hour to invite more people in. So I would be thinking of ways to help my friend, my friendors, <laughs> my my friends that are, you know, strategic alliances and and solidify those and find new, you know, being the light amidst some pretty scary times for people within each niche, you know, pet photographers, it's a lot of small businesses in the pet industry. So I'd be getting on the phone talking, I'd start a mastermind group within my specific alliance. In the coaching world, they had, you know, some of the like top hundred people that are very noteworthy. They had a giant Zoom meeting where they they all strategize together. And so, yeah, good time to support others because since you've been listening to David, trust in his wisdom, now you are equipped to go out and help other people, right, David? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I don't know about that, but, uh, but I hope that you will equip yourself yeah. uh, with the ability to go out and hit the ground running. Yeah. That's, and that's really about, what we're doing here. Yeah. So before I sign off, I want to remind the listeners to stay tuned for my wrap up. How do people, if they have questions for you, is there a specific way to get in touch with you or through PPA or? Yeah, I mean, I'm always happy to hear from members. Um, they're certainly always welcome to do that. They can just contact PPA through the 800 number and, and ask for us. We do have obviously a lot of members. And so it, it could take some time for me to be able to get back with you in those circumstances. But certainly we love to see everybody at Imaging USA. We're always thrilled to sit and chat with everybody. Lucy, you and I did that, you know, at this past Imaging. USA. And, and uh, we're always thrilled to do that. You're always welcome to pick up the phone and give us a call. And when we get time, we uh, will certainly would love to chat with you. I, I love the marketing part of all of this. I love the branding yes. part of all of this. And so sometimes I don't get to spend as much time on marketing and branding as in my current job, you know, which I, uh, which I grew to love. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm always happy to talk those things with anybody who wants to talk. Great. And I know when we talked, you said you'd be happy to be on my show again. So when we do, let's let's dig into that branding topic that I know is something you especially have a vision for and a, a way to support people understanding that. Does that sound yeah, like a plan? Of course, that, that would be great. I'd, I'd always welcome that opportunity and thank you for this. I've enjoyed it. Yeah. So ppa.com slash edu, what's the, where would yeah, they go actually, to, to Just go to ppa.com and you'll see education at the top, click on that and it'll take you right there. Okay. Easy peasy. Do you have one last something that you think I got to, I got to be sure that I communicate this before we part <laughs> for now? Yeah. You know, I, I think this, this would be it. First of all, the industry is not going to heck in a handbasket. The photographic industry is alive and well and will continue on. And uh, the question is, is it going to continue on with me? And uh, so I, I think that the underpinnings are there. Consumers are spending money. They're looking for ways to spend money. They're going to come back from all of this COVID stuff and uh, they're going to be wanting to get back to normal. I think be positive, be upbeat. It, I'm not downplaying how difficult it is. It is difficult out there, but uh, be positive and be upbeat. Uh, take care of your business. 
read, plan, make sure you have your an actionable vision, something that that is actually on your calendar every day that you're doing to move towards your ultimate vision, which I hope includes happiness, living happily, and uh, just be prepared because I think we are going to be we are going to bounce back from all of it. And right. in a year, it's going to be a very different world. I realize right. things are tough right now, but but uh, you know, and customers don't want to hear "Oh, woe is me" from me anyway, right? Customers <laughs> yeah. want to, they they, yeah. they want leadership. They're right. craving leadership. They want people to look at them and say, "Hey, look, life is good. We're going to get through this." How how fortunate we are to to be here together today, you know, and right. and yeah. uh, and just be ready because I think yeah. business is going to open back up pretty quickly. Well, and all of these things, if someone is listening to this in. 2022, because what's so awesome is this podcast will live forever. All the same things that we might be doing during an actual crisis are the things that are smart to be doing every single day in continuing to grow our business or start a business. You know, all the the reading and all those smart things are smart in any day of any week of anybody's career. So and, and, and this, Lucy, if I could if I if I could just say this about that, you know, and it's actually, you know what, this is the, the second half of that quote that I love by Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. Which is amazing. And, and, and you know, he, he says the credit belongs to the one in the arena. I mean, get in there, right? Get in there and fight. Who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends their life in a worthy cause. And I think photography is a worthy cause. Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Mm. So that will never be counted by those who knew neither victory nor defeat. And and I think that's something for all of us to you know, to look forward to. Look, get in there, you know, and get in the fight. Don't don't worry about what people are saying. Don't spend all your time watching the news because <laughs> yeah. you know, that'll depress you. And just be safe, be well, and and get your business ready because we are going to bounce back from this. And when we bounce back, the ones who are prepared are the ones that are going to be out there first making the money. Yes. And I've mentioned this on my shows before, but the other I think I've been through five or six recessions. I used that time to do exactly what you're talking about. And I ended up a better photographer, getting more income per client. A lot of the people that weren't running their businesses extremely well fell by the wayside. So I had less competition. So it wasn't even just bouncing back. I bounced higher because I, like you said, I stayed positive and did the work of improving on every level. So thank you, David, so, so much. What a great conversation. And I just feel so thrilled that now we have a more personal, you know, we can not just wave in the hallways, but we've, we know more about each other. And I, I just knew that chasing you down <laughs> to say, hey, will you be on my show was going to be a treat. So well, it's great. absolutely my pleasure. Thank you thank very you. much. All righty. Take care. Wow. So that was a fun, rich conversation with David, wasn't it? David Trust. One thing, of course, I'm sure you took away from it is that he and I both agree that joining and taking advantage of all the good things that PPA, the Professional Photographers of America, or if you're in Canada or Australia or anywhere else that has a professional organization, joining it is a very wise thing to do. And so I'm sure, you know, that's a a strong takeaway. We started this conversation with him talking about how important it is to learn about your consumer, to understand the consumer better and create an actionable vision. Photographers, we're not always good at the business side or picturing where we want to get to. 
So I thought that was a, a good note for people to think about. And he talks about the importance of reading, reading, reading. And while I do that, I think I, I need to step that up a little bit. So I appreciate that. Truly successful people, David said, if you sat down with them and asked them about what they're reading, they will have, you know, they're readers. So they don't waste time. And also they think about the end. So you want to think about where you want to get to before you start planning your path. In terms of this COVID-19 right now, if it's still you know a concern, is to project where we want to be when it's over. He said something about put it on our calendar. So he was just saying when we plan our action, schedule it and do it. So, you know, in the next week, I'm going to do this. And then this month, I'm going to complete that. And so get a plan and follow the plan. He's talked about how no one is going to drag us into a successful, happy life. We have to go for it. We have to do the work and take advantage of the time we have and the opportunities in front of us. We talked also about copyright. David has been on the forefront for, did he say 14 years, I think, in Washington, D.C., helping create a bill and speaking and promoting this bill that would allow photographers to uh, sue people in small claims court. Because right now, if somebody used your work, made a billboard, you know, that you pass by every day with your photography, it might cost you $300,000 to sue. And, you know, the likelihood of even a lawyer being willing to take that on and you having the money to win is, you know, pointless. So write your congressman, write your senators, put some pressure on Mitch McConnell to bring the bill up anyway, or uh, if you're in Oregon, pressure your the senator that he mentioned that is the holdout so we can get this passed because wouldn't it be nice if you saw a, somebody using your work and you could file in small claims court for a couple hundred dollars get before a judge and have the judge say yes you win and and get paid for that with a little effort and then he just also really talked about staying positive and connecting with our clients, not necessarily right now in the spring of 2020, which is, you know, when this is being released, not being super salesy, but being there so that when things open up and people are more confident, they're going to be thinking of us and they're going to be thinking about photographs that they'd love to have. So that is it for now. And I'm excited to hear from you on your thoughts about this recording, I would love for you to go to lucydumascoaching.com and click on the tab that says gift and get your seven tips to find ideal clients. I think it has a different name, but that's the gist of it. Just stay in touch and be well and know that I'm sending you a great big hug because I live alone. So I, I need at least virtual hugs. So that's what's going your way. <laughs> All righty. Talk to you next week. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one -on -one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.